0: All right. Hello, my high vibing friends and welcome to the abundance alchemist podcast. I am so excited to jump on and chat with you guys today. We have an amazing guest. Um, Her name is Freya. And she is a trauma-informed sex and empowerment coach for women. She's really working with women who want to connect to their pleasure, power, and openness again, which is so incredibly powerful. So um, I know I have tons of questions for her, and we're just going to dive on in. So thanks for coming on to the Abundance Alchemist podcast, Freya. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So I'm just going to rattle a question right off the bat of what is a trauma-informed sex coach?
1: Um, a trauma is someone who is working in the realm of sexuality and is also informed about trauma. So what being informed about trauma means is that, okay, I guess I need to say what it isn't, <laughs> um, cause unfortunately in the coaching industry, it's, it's pretty rife, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that people are working in a way that can be re-traumatizing to people. So it's not just having a mental, idea of how trauma can impact you or even having just an understanding of the emotional level of how trauma can impact you and working on those levels it's also having an understanding of the nervous system Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so um just understanding um what can happen to the nervous system through trauma um what can happen in your work with people when you're working through um emotional and and sexuality issues that can bring up trauma um, and how to work in a way that is empowering for the client so it's not at all um, so there are many levels there's like understanding you know um, you can actually witness when a client goes into freeze and how to be with that and how to create safety and and how to take how to titrate people like in and out of um, what you're working with so going in and kind of coming out again so as not not to overwhelm the client the sexuality, the quote-unquote conscious sexuality world, there's a lot of um, <clears throat> busting people's nervous systems open so that they have a lot of orgasmic experiences, but it, it kind of, um, so what I'm looking for, deregulates their nervous system in many other ways, you know, like for instance, in relational ways. So it's having an understanding of how to work with the nervous system in a way that is healing rather than explosive. Um, and it's also understanding that... Um, To really help someone empower themselves, it's you, you are not, you are not the one who has all the answers. You have an understanding as a coach of how to hold a space that's loving, um, skillful, all of these things. But it's also understanding that the answers need to come from within your clients and that is empowering for them rather than telling them how it is. You know, if, if you're teaching people to defer their power to an outside source, you're not helping them become empowered, you're helping them to defer their power. So um, and that's one of the things that happens in trauma is that people are often really invalidated and belittled. Mm-hmm. And so, the opposite of that is to help people find their own voice and to find the answers within, um, and to feel um, that there is a space of non-judgment and care for them to be able to open into that. So, I, I think that's probably maybe the most succinct way I can I can describe it.
0: Absolutely, that is so beautiful to kind of hear the. You know, really diving in that it does go so much deeper than just the mental piece of things. Because I think a lot of people think when we have trauma, that it stops in just the thought process. And we don't really think about how much it does affect oh. our body and our nervous system. And we hold on to that yeah. um, energy and, and all these different spaces. So it's amazing to hear that you kind of have this understanding of the nervous system and how to move forward. And I also love that you said the idea of holding space as a coach. I know that's um, a huge, huge misconception about kind of coaches having all the answers. Um, Mm. And you know, in in my coaching business, I say the same thing. I'm, Mm. I'm a platform for people to kind of bounce things off of, and I'm happy to kind of hold that space for them. But ultimately, they know what's coming up. It's their inner guidance that they're moving forward. So um, mm. love that definition. It's so incredibly powerful.
1: Mm. Really important, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so you touched on kind of this idea of the freeze. Um, and I think we mm. don't talk about that enough. I, I mean, we always kind of think we go into fight or flight. Those are the common ones we talk about but there's kind of this guilt and shame around the idea of freezing, um, Mm. and trauma. So I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit more about what that looks like and how that happens in our body.
1: Mm. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. This is like one of my favorite topics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, um, it's such an important question because, um, and when you said that guilt and shame, like that really is the the right term for how people mm-hmm. feel about the freeze. It's like something happens and they don't speak up and they're like, why didn't I do that? I'm such an idiot. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, for women who've been assaulted and they go into freeze and they're like, why didn't I fight back? I'm such a coward. And, you know, all of these things. And when you understand what's going on, um, when you understand a bit of evolutionary biology and you understand the nervous system a little bit, then you can have a lot more patience and compassion and forgiveness for yourself and others when they go into that place. Um, so there are kind of like two levels of freeze I'd like to discuss, which is one is what happens in a moment and what happens when um, the freeze response becomes a regular way of being for someone. Mm. So so polyvagal theory, um, which was kind of I don't know, created, I guess, by Stephen Porges and has been championed by many people. And Mm -hmm. um, Deb Dana has a lot of really good practical work around um, polyvagal stuff. But essentially um, polyvagal theory explores the impact of the vagus nerve on the nervous system. And the the vagus nerve uh, essentially regulates the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the the feed and breed nervous system. It's the relaxation. The parasympathetic nervous system is what gets the sympathetic nervous system so fight or flight chill out so when you know we go into like a a really afraid state or we get really angry coming back to safety and to love can really help regulate our nervous system Mm -hmm. but the vagus nerve um they kind of talk about it in two parts there's the ventral vagus which is the upper half from the from the belly upwards and the dorsal vagal which is the lower part um, of the vagus nerve the lower part of the vagus nerve, um, which goes from the, the upper the gut down to in men in the intestines and in women it, it starts in the cervix. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, um, it's responsible for a lot of digestive functions, but um, it's the most ancient part of the vagus nerve. Mm. And the ventral vagal is the, the the upper part of the vagus nerve. Um, up into the back of the head, into the brain, Um, it's the most evolved part. It's the newest part. And so when we're feeling pretty good and we're feeling pretty safe, we will um, essentially respond in ventral vagal ways, you know. So if you think about in terms of animals and their evolution, um, mammals play with each other for instance, Mm -hmm. right? You see lions playing with each other. You see dogs playing with each other. You see little kids picking up kittens and it's so cute. And the kids feel happy and the kitten feels happy. And everyone who looks at the kid and the kitten feels happy. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. these (laughs) feelings of regulation and like, and like, oh my God, it's so cute. Like Mm -hmm. essentially like that's the oxytocin feeling. That's that good feeling of I'm safe. I can connect with others. Other people are safe. I'm safe. That's that's the ventral vagal that's that's our ability to connect with others mm. when something happens that we feel unsafe about we'll go into fight or flight so it's you know the animals fighting on the savanna running away from each other you know these kinds of things and that's and, and that's important we need that in order to you know set our boundaries to walk away when something is not good for us etc um but what can happen when a threat is overwhelming and we don't have the capacity to deal with it or if it just overloads our system, we revert into the most ancient response, which mm-hmm. is dorsal vagal, which is freeze, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about reptiles, do you ever see crocodiles playing with each other?
0: No, yeah. <laughs> they don't
1: They don't have the capacity to. Yeah, right. you know, they're not very <laughs> playful. They might kind of like bite your head off, you know. Yeah. So it's like... And and when you think about lizards, like if you think about lizards, what happens when they get afraid? Like what do they do? They freeze and collapse and they drop Mm -hmm. their tail. So this is a really ancient response. So when people, when something happens, so that is just completely overwhelming for the system, the the most ancient response and way of dealing with a situation that is too much is to freeze, right? Mm. And so when I explain this to Women who feel so relieved because they're like, oh, this was literally my whole nervous system, which has had all of these however millions of years of evolution to develop, taking over my brain, activating the amygdala, turning off my prefrontal cortex, which is the clear thinking center, and it's forcing me to shut down in order to survive. Okay, maybe that's not because I'm a coward, (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. it's biology, you know. So and this is really important for us to understand as a society. It's important to understand, um, you know, in if you're in the coaching industry and therapeutic mm-hmm. industry, all of these things. But it's also really important in terms of legalities. Like, for instance, um, with litigation, you know, when people go to court and they ask a woman who's, you know, there because she was raped assaulted Mm -hmm. um it's like well why didn't you run away why didn't you fight back it's like well if we can understand what's actually happening at a nervous system level we can understand that we're biologically wired to shut down when something is too much for us so this is the um this is what happens with freeze Mm -hmm. and um in terms of like the second part of what I wanted to talk about with freeze is like if you've been through a lot of trauma that has shut you down like if you went if you were in a volatile environment when you were a kid or your environment where you were constantly shamed or if you were abused physically or sexually in some way or even if you've come out of an abusive relationship where you've spent a lot of time in that freeze and that shutdown sometimes that freeze setting can become people's regular way of being mm-hmm. and so they just become frozen now what is a practical way to think about freeze like compounded freeze i call it compounded freeze well it's numbness right so Mm -hmm. people become emotionally numb they become sexually numb they cannot feel their body sensations so they become very dissociated um and that means that they can be you know not have physical awareness so they bump into things they might like space out when people are talking to them they can't concentrate on things um can literally find bruises on themselves and they have no idea how they got there because they're just Mm -hmm. not in their bodies so Freeze is really, really important. It's really The thing to understand about freeze is that freeze isn't the absence of sensation or emotion. It is a response to overwhelming sensation or emotion. So the way to move it is to be very gentle and to create a lot of safety so that all of that overwhelm can very slowly start moving out of the system so that people can start feeling sensations in their body again, they can have a healthy connection to their emotions again, they can be present, they can focus on things. So, um, yeah, this is a little bit about freeze.
0: Yeah, I love that. There's so much because, yeah, we do really get stuck in that place of guilt and shame um, with this. And I don't think that it's really talked about. We do go to this place mm. of, oh, it's fight or flight and that's it. Um, mm. And then, you know, a lot of times this I think this kind of extends to the idea, um, obviously, when going to the thought process of, you know, blocking out trauma and how people are like, how do I not recall these different things? And it's because, they're going back into that like reptilian yeah. place of just reacting yeah. or in freeze, mes- not necessarily reacting. And then um, I like how you talked about, you know, the best way to get through is really creating that safety. Because I think I see this a lot um, more kind of in the in the traditional therapy aspect of um, where people will feel like they're numb. So they will try to overstimulate themselves in the sense of, you know, yeah. And that's when we get in this place of creating different addictions or Mm. um, really unhealthy habits because they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling anything. But Mm. it's in the fact, the body is just not able to process all Mm. of what they're feeling. Um, Mm. So such an important piece of things. Um, Mm. And you said a really, really, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just saying, I was just agreeing with you like a hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like when they just to like kind of hike on to the Mm -hmm. back of what you're saying it's like you know if they are frozen then they try and create overwhelming sensation then they might have like some kind of like sexual sensation or some kind of physical sensation or some kind of emotional sensation but then their nervous system gets wired to blow out and um like you said they can have addictions um Mm -hmm. but also the the piece that that is has is actually causing the numbness gets pushed down deeper in so mm-hmm. like for instance I've I spent like 10 years in the tantra world <clears throat> mm-hmm. and saw so many women like really opening their sexuality um but all of their relational trauma that was frozen would get pushed deeper in and so their relationships would get worse but their sexual connections would get stronger which makes for sex addiction and mm-hmm. absolutely nightmare relationships absolutely
0: um, yeah. yeah um and I want to dive more into this idea of pleasure after trauma, but Mm. I think you touched on something that we need to dive a little bit further into before we, we touch on the pleasure piece of things, which is you said boundaries Mm. Um, and boundaries are, you know, just absolutely the key to openness and surrendering. Mm. I mean, they're, they're Mm. the key to our life. And I think I see boundaries as being scary for some people. I mean, we look at Mm. being afraid to set boundaries because we might hurt somebody else's feelings or Mm. being afraid to set boundaries because we're not feeling worthy of setting that boundary and actually speaking up and standing in our power to say, this is a boundary for me. So how do you see, let's take a step back. How do we even know when we need to set a boundary? Um, Because I think sometimes this question just gets pushed over of people are like, Oh, you should have set a boundary, but it's, how do you know in the moment when you need to set a boundary?
1: Oh, that's an awesome question. Um, I think one of the key signifiers, like there are a couple, but one of the key signifiers is anger and resentment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people really like a lot of people really misunderstand these feelings. Like, um, and they're kind of, there's some complexity to it, but essentially like anger is really a response to an actual perceived violation of boundaries, like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And resentment is often about when we are violating our own boundaries and then get angry about it, you know. True. Um, so often if you start feeling angry with someone or feeling resentful, like that can be a real um, key that there's some boundaries that need to be set. If you're feeling exhausted or drained, whether it's by your that can be a sign okay i'm leaking energy like this is a sign that i need to set my container up i need to set some boundaries um and also um guilt feelings mm. lots of feelings of guilt particularly if it's with one particular person not always and i, I want to distinguish guilt and remorse like you know because if we fuck up you know and Mm we feel remorse that's healthy we need to acknowledge when we've made mistakes and acknowledge them and change our behavior and say I'm sorry and all of those things because that's how we become better people Mm -hmm. it's how we build trust in our relationships and build trust with ourselves Um, but guilt can be a wonderful tool for people who are manipulative to Mm -hmm. just extract from people as well so that can be something to look at as well as like I always feel guilty around this person. I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing, but I don't think I am, you know, and, and that can often be a cue as well.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Kind of understanding that when you start to doubt yourself or not trust yourself that um, something's off. <laughs> um, I like that kind of in the simplest terms of, you know, yeah, when even paying attention, because like I said, I think sometimes I guess, we go past the idea of, okay, what what boundary needs to be set, but we don't even know how we feel about these boundaries because mm. um, sometimes that doesn't get addressed. So what do you consider a healthy way to set a boundary? How can we communicate a boundary to ourselves if we're realizing you're feeling guilty? How do we actually put that into action? Mm it depends on the context right because there are about a Mm -hmm. million different types
1: of relationships that we can have and different ways of communicating that are going to be relevant for different Mm -hmm. types of relationships and different situations and um you know closer relationships might require a bit more information than like a work relationship for instance which you know work relationships keep it brief you know sure um but I guess like one story that I, I could tell sometimes um when I'm teaching um boundaries in, in my courses and it's when I was learning how to set boundaries back when I was like um full hippie child, like it was wearing all the Paisley outfits and um, you know, had all the crystals and like mm-hmm. all the like nose piercings and lip piercing you know yeah and I had <laughs> I had I had no boundaries at all like um I just I had been through a lot of trauma as a kid and mm-hmm. and um I was very much like a, a rescuer archetype and probably in like a bit of victim as well like not mm-hmm. and I don't mean victimization I mean like distinguishing victimization from like victimhood um and I I didn't I was like felt resentful a lot and Mm -hmm. um, this one friend of mine she 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 didn't she wasn't trying to teach me anything but she just modeled it for me one day she you know someone asked her a question about if she wanted to do something she just stopped she put her hand on her stomach and I think she put one hand on her stomach and one on her heart in very like hippie style (laughs) <laughs> like she took a deep breath and relaxed her body and, and just connected to her body and listened to what felt right for her and she just turned to the person and said thanks for the invitation but that doesn't feel right for me right now mm. and it was so beautiful and clean and loving and and um like how do you be offended by that that person's like being gracious to you and it, it's absolutely not about you they're turning you down and um and so I went around like this um, hippie festival called Confest, practicing that. <laughs> That's that how I started learning to set boundaries. But I think like the first piece of that is really connecting to your body, right, and connecting mm-hmm. to the sensations in your body and asking your body, like, does this feel right? Does this feel good? Like does doing this thing feel good for you? Does doing this thing feel good for you? And then you can just turn to someone and, and be really gracious and say thank you so much, but that, that isn't right for me right now you know, and you don't have to give an explanation or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes um, I'm, uh, when I'm at work, if there are people around, sometimes people love talking to me because I'm like, I love listening to people Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of the time. But sometimes if I really have stuff to do um, and people are wanting to engage, I'll just say to them, I'll be like, okay, well, it's been lovely speaking with you and I need to do this now, you know, and that's a very Mm -hmm. clear end to the conversation, you know, it's, not mean or anything like that. It's just, it's clear, it's clean. And you know, it's like, okay, I'm turning away now. So it can actually be a lot more simple than people think um, Mm -hmm. it needs it is. Um, And I think that when people have a lot of um stored guilt in their system, they might think it needs to be a lot more complex or they Mm -hmm. might um overstep and become aggressive or um, they might want to explain themselves, like, you know, some big long explanation about things and it's really not necessary. It can just be as simple as that.
0: I love that too. Yeah, I always think of um, okay, very similar in the sense of I, uh, you know, I think we all start in a place where boundaries are not super strong, <laughs> um, and so I completely resonate with that. Where I was just felt the need to, you know, mm, over explain mm-hmm. myself or um, you know because I didn't have the boundaries in the past, and and I think that it's really empowering to step into that place that you don't owe anybody an explanation because the boundary is not about anybody else, but yourself. The boundary is about our own feelings and how we are feeling it within ourselves and what's right for us, not, you know, to hurt another person. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where the fear comes is when it goes to a place that's outside of us. And we're, you know, looking to people please or put a bandaid on other people's feelings um, because we're in that fearful place mm. instead of a loving and respectful place for ourselves and understanding why the boundary is being set. Um, so I, I love how you kind of communicated that piece. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, one, one of the other kind of fear responses that doesn't really doesn't ever get talked about is the fawning. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and fawning kind of, I see it as like, it comes after freeze actually. And it's like, if you've, if you've been in a, the last response it's like if you've been in a situation where you've frozen you shut down enough you absolutely need to just make it work it's for their survival and some way they can go into the fawning which is that people pleasing right Mm -hmm. so fawning is literally like i need to get your approval in order to be safe Mm -hmm. i will violate my own boundaries i will let you violate my my boundaries i might even sleep with you and be Mm -hmm. attracted to the person who's the most like detrimental for me um you know because if i can make this dangerous person be safe for me, then, then I can be safe for me. And it can just get really wired into people's systems that their survival depends upon um, not setting boundaries and mm-hmm. being approved of by someone who's actually really dangerous for them. And that can become really, really damaging for people in their lives.
0: Absolutely. I think that pattern you just said is um, probably hitting true for a lot of people. Um, it's definitely a pattern that, that we do see. People-pleasing is happening everywhere. Um, And I think that's, it is really detrimental because we go into this place of obligation or seeking approval and get just getting with out of our out of the connection with our bodies and ourselves and what truly matters and um, Mm -hmm. out of kind of our alignment within, within ourselves. So with all of the idea of boundaries and, you know, trauma that we've kind of touched on, I want to shift it to this, this happier side because there Mm -hmm. is a happier side, right? Mm -hmm. There's always people are not their trauma and we need to very much know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of people dive into being their trauma story um, Mm -hmm. instead of allowing it to be part of the story that creates person that they want to be pleasure after trauma I know you have a course about this um Mm -hmm. but I just kind of want to know what does that even mean what does that look like um I'd love to kind of just let you take it away and dive in
1: (laughs) yeah well I guess it means just that doesn't it it's like it means experiencing pleasure again after trauma so Mm -hmm. I guess when people go through trauma often what happens is their system shuts down right and um it can be very hard to experience pleasure, whether that's sexual pleasure or joy um, or to feel safe enough to be able to trust themselves and other people to open um, in some kind of way, whether that's in friendships or intimacy or um, any of these things. So, um, yeah, I guess I, I built the course. There's, I, As far as I know, there is no course out there. Um, that is specifically built, like there are some courses that are trauma-informed, which is awesome, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know of any courses that are specifically built for people who have been through trauma specifically to reconnect to their pleasure again and the way that it's built is in a trauma-informed way for those people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been through many different rounds of Dark Nights of the Soul in <laughs> my time <laughs> on this planet <laughs> and, um, you know, I've, I myself have had to deal with um, really significant sexual trauma and, Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago I had, um, bunch of very well repressed memories mm-hmm. <laughs> like come to the surface <laughs> yeah and um I was like wow I really hit that well didn't I <laughs> right.
0: that's always a pleasure when they come up you're like oh that's exciting I oh, haven't oh, dealt God. with that
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was so naive I'm like I'm pretty sure it doesn't need to be that bad <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the worst time of my right. life so bad. <laughs> but um you can laugh now right right now we can yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I, I, you know, was you know d- during and after that time, I was really using a lot of the skills and tools that I had accumulated in my, in my time in the like conscious sexuality world and the neo tantra world, and which for those who are listening, neo tantra means like new tantra, which is essentially or tantra. If I said correctly um, <laughs> with my Australian accent, tantra, um, but. Um, Essentially it's the sexual tantra. So classical tantra itself, Kashmir Shaivism is not really sexual. They have like two rituals in the whole kind of um, whole, I don't know what to say, the whole scripture of, of um, Kashmir Shaivism that even involves sex at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was trying to use... Um, like a bunch of these practices to help myself reconnect to my pleasure because I had gone from being this incredibly orgasmic woman who was one of the most open women I knew and then I was completely, completely closed and it was like having touched heaven and then being put in the depths of hell and it was just so excruciating and painful and, and really like I felt disconnected from my power as well and because it's so, it's all tied up in being able to feel sensations in your body, right? Because the sensations in your body are your inner GPS in a way you could say. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, you know, went on a very big journey of, of like doing different trauma trainings and um, exploring polyvagal and, you know, some SE stuff, somatic experiencing stuff and, and um, these modalities that are very focused on the nervous system and on healing trauma and I was absolutely determined to be able to experience the full range of pleasure again. And so I did, I I created that journey for myself. And then I, you know, tested it out and um, did a lot of research and then created it as a journey for other people. And so far, the results that people are having is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really beautiful. But I guess the thing that happens is a lot of people when they're in the depths of hell, essentially, it's like, it's so easy to believe like this is it this is what my life is going to be forever I'm never right. going to experience pleasure again I'll never experience ecstasy again and all mm-hmm. those things are so vital for feeling fulfilled like we need to have mm-hmm. positive loving joyful experiences of life and of our bodies in order to continue to live you know? mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just this shut down hell mm-hmm. and so um yeah so this journey um pleasure after trauma it's 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 created so that people can rebuild themselves and start to experience that pleasure again. And I think that some of the things that happen when people do connect to pleasure again after being through a massive journey um, like that is that um one of the strange and beautiful and confusing things is that sometimes it's completely different to how it was before. Mm. Um because you can't go through a life-changing experience and be the same person, right? So absolutely, they might have different access to different kinds of sensations, you know. And I remember this one, this one story that I tell sometimes is like, I was um, this one day, I was I used dance a lot myself personally as a way to connect to my body and to connect to my pleasure. And, mm-hmm. and this one day, I was I was dancing and I was like looking for how pleasure used to feel for me before Mm. everything erupted. I was looking for that feeling and I was trying to find it and I couldn't feel it. I'm like, this is so unsatisfying. I was feeling so much grief and I was just like, I just want to feel pleasure again. And I was like, okay, well, you know what, because I've been practising Vipassana for 10 years now, so it's like just be with what is, right? Be Mm -hmm. with the sensations that are there. So I was like, okay, I'm feeling some kind of sensation in my womb. I don't know what that is, but I'm just going to connect with it. So I was connecting to that sensation. I was feeling it and I just allowed it to be there and kind of moved with it a bit. And after a while, it became really, really strong. Mm. And I realized that what the sensation actually was, was love. Mm. (laughs) And I'd been throwing a hissy fit because I wasn't (laughs) connecting to pleasure in the way I thought it used to be. But having uncovered all of this trauma, I was actually able, for the first time in my adult life, first time in my life actually be able to connect heart and sex love and sex you know and I had thought before all of that arose that that was connected but it wasn't so I guess you know pleasure after trauma is um the concept as opposed to the course is you know people connecting to themselves in a new way um in a way that feels joyful and enlivening and nourishing um, both on a sexual level and on an ability to engage with life in an intimate, loving way.
0: Oh my gosh, so beautiful. That is so amazing. Um, and I definitely resonate with that, you know, uh, not <laughs> experiencing feelings before and, and not even just, you know, just in the sense of love and, and sex and kind of the connection with ourselves and um, partners, but even those, the other emotions that we feel, they're very different, right? I, you know, I noticed that anger felt different for me. Um, Joy Mm. felt different for me because it's coming from such a different place when you are, like you said, when you go through this trauma, but you rebuild yourself and you kind of make this choice to, hey, I deserve to feel pleasure. I deserve to move forward. I don't just want to survive I want to live and experience and create Mm -hmm. it's coming Mm -hmm. from such a different place Um, Mm -hmm. so I I love that that you touched on that and you know that you can have this idea of pleasure um, but not sticking to that way of this is what it used to be for me because I think that's a very limiting view right we limit ourselves Mm -hmm. and then we get frustrated that we're not feeling it in the same way Um, Mm -hmm. but like you touched on you're feeling this emotion that you're like I don't know what that is and and I know something I work a lot with um, kind of more the traditional sense of the counseling practices is if you don't give your body the emotion sensation that you're feeling a name, your brain doesn't know how to register it. So mm. you can't fully embrace it and make that full level of yeah. connection on all levels of our being if you're not yeah. letting yourself step into this new emotion of whatever it is or this new way that you're feeling. So mm-hmm. um, I love that you kind of sat with that and, mm-hmm. and we're with that because um, I think that we get scared, especially, you know, people that have gone through trauma and been through um, really tough times, especially if we are have been in that free state, it mm-hmm. can be really nerve wracking to you know, sit in that and to say, oh, just be oh. still, but just be with yourself. Because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to come up if I'm with myself? Or
1: oh.
0: am I going to have to face this? Or or all these different kinds of thoughts can go in. Um, so I like that you talk about that even sitting with yourself, just focusing on the sensation of even if I'm frustrated mm-hmm. that I'm not feeling what I want, here's this sensation. Mm-hmm. Let me focus on what that is. And oh my gosh, how beautiful that mm-hmm. it's love. And that leads to you know, the love and connection with um, sex and and that it's not just, you know, sex that we're looking at when we look at the terms of pleasure, it's being in your body. And even just through dance, you're feeling this love and connection and even through joy and laughter and all these different things. Mm. It's really a beautiful process to come out on the other side um, of trauma and, um, you know, of that sexual assault. And I think that um, you know, this can be such a taboo subject to talk about, especially, um, sexual assault and women, and then giving yourself the permission to experience pleasure after that. Um, but I think both Mm -hmm. Freya and I are here saying, you know, that's, you deserve that. And, and we deserve that. And we all are here to move forward and be in that process. So what, um, I'm just so excited to be chatting with you. I yes. love your perspective. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I agree. And I think, you know,
1: cause we've chatted before and I think mm-hmm. that, like, we both feel a strong resonance with each other and our, our world views. And you couldn't see me obviously, but I was like nodding the whole time. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And um, yeah. And I think that just to what you were saying, like your toast feelings and I mean like in psychology, it's like, that's how the extinction process works, right. Yep. You know, where, absolutely where there's like you're deconditioning someone's, um, response to a stimulus whether that's an mm-hmm. external stimulus or an internal stimulus like a sensation and for so many people like um pleasure itself might even be an overwhelming sensation and so mm-hmm. learning how to sit with that and learn that you're not going to die when you have because and I laugh but it's actually like there can be a lot of terror tied up you know oh that, absolutely really. no I agree terror. with that so it's like you know unwinding that the negative Um, conditioning that's tied up with those sensations can be you know really life-changing for people
0: I agree I mean I think you even look at people that maybe you know I think your journey you said like oh you experienced trauma and being this really um, you said like orgasmic woman and that's beautiful and I think that you know, there's also the other side of of people that haven't, didn't experience that prior and had trauma um, right off the bat. And that was kind of, you know, more of my journey. Um, So I 100% resonate with what you're saying. It can be really scary because sometimes that overwhelming sense of pleasure, you know, whether again, it's sex or just being in your own body and enjoying what's happening in these sensations it can feel like you're almost out of control um and yeah, totally. that control piece is i think really scary when we're when we're stepping into yeah. um yeah. do you have any ideas of kind of can um I, oh go ahead I, please can i say something 100 i was just gonna say
1: um yeah it's interesting because it's like the whole thing about pleasure is about letting go Right? Mm-hmm. but you can't let go if you don't feel safe and absolutely so you've got to create that internal safety first and it's yeah I, I get you because actually my journey was like first of all I was not orgasmic at all okay I had to work through some trauma and work really really hard to work through it and then I was like oh and then I became really really orgasmic and then after becoming super orgasmic then I had all these memories <laughs> <laughs> so okay it's like, I feel yeah. like I've had like quite the spectrum of like absolutely it's like to come from ne- ever having any pleasure to opening to it and then all of those things so um yeah that that feeling of intense overwhelm just and whether it's like feeling like whether it's feeling arousal and needing to binge eat to deal with like Mm that overwhelming feeling of arousal or you know women like when it's overwhelming to receive someone's desire it's really Mm -hmm. threatening or you know all of these things so yeah being able to be with that fear is like super super helpful
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think you touched on too, that idea of like having to binge eat if you're dealing with arousal, if you're, if you're not in that space of that's so powerful because I think, you know, we know as basic human principle that humans can't give up anything. We replace it. We we Mm. are wired to replace our behaviors. So if you're, you know, this is why when people talk about, um, let's just look at like an alcohol addiction. If somebody becomes sober, then they replace that with the activity of going to meetings or having some sort of recovery program or some sort of process that they do, but it's still a replacement mm. theory. So understanding that, mm. um, you know, if you're feeling something and you're not willing to go into that feeling, you absolutely do replace it with a different behavior or action. Um, It's kind of, you know, again, yeah. like that, we know it's kind of that thought, emotion, action, or, you know, there's different ideas of which come first, the thought or the emotion, but regardless, the two happen. And then there's a reaction in the body, um, since our thoughts and our emotions tell our body how to feel and how to react and how to move forward. Um, so really important to mm-hmm. think about that piece too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I just love that you hit on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've I'm touched on. You. <laughs> we have touched on some amazing stuff, and um, like I said, I mean, our—I know we've had similar and also very different backgrounds. So I love um, jumping on here and just and sharing some some goodies for everybody listening. So we're running out of time, but I do want to ask if you could give just a couple of takeaways as far as how people that have had trauma can even really start the journey of stepping into pleasure and experiencing pleasure of what kind of your guidance would be um
1: find someone to work with one-on-one perfect Um, firstly firstly I would say find a someone to work with your trauma someone who is a trauma therapist Mm -hmm. and work on those pieces first because it's actually not about the sex first Mm -hmm. you know which is why in my course it's like the first, I think it's the first five weeks of the course have absolutely nothing to do with pleasure at all. Yeah, absolutely. It's like nothing to do with pleasure. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but everyone who comes to do the course has already done some kind of therapy on their trauma, you know, so that they have some resilience and they're prepared to, to start facing these things. So The first thing I would say is find some kind of trauma therapist to work on your trauma with because you can't do it alone and Mm -hmm. part of what trauma might tell you is that you can't trust anyone, therefore I can do it all myself and I'm highly self-sufficient and I don't need Mm -hmm. anyone and there's a glory in that. And I would suggest that that's a way of avoiding intimacy um, Mm -hmm. and potentially and that working with someone who can help you move some of that trauma would be really, really helpful. And once you sort of feel confident around um your ability to be with the feelings that are to have integrated some of and and processed and um you know metabolized some of the grief and the feelings around that um that trauma itself after having done that would be the time to find um a trauma-informed sexuality coach that would that would be my suggestion
0: Perfect. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I always say we are not meant to do this on our own. We have so many beautiful resources and we might as well use them.
1: Well, it didn't happen on its own, did it?
0: No, absolutely. Right. We need other people to help us heal. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, Any other thing you want to leave us with? so much for inviting me on and being so gracious
1: and (laughs) contributing, you know, your wisdom and, you know, your keen mind. And it's really lovely to to engage so thanks for having me
0: of course thank you so much for coming on and sharing such amazing insight in such a beautiful way about a subject that should not be taboo but unfortunately Mm. is still a bit taboo in our society so yeah
1: actually the last thing I would say Mm -hmm.
0: is that the terrible
1: thing about this is that the people who are left with the feelings of shame are the people who have been victimised by these situations when really it's the perpetrators who should have to deal with that shame. And so I think us being open and honest and talking about it puts those feelings back where they belong and so that we as a society can correctly address these things.
0: Uh. I love that. I'm over here clapping you now, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I am just so incredibly honored to have you on um, and chatting about this and, and, given our listeners um, some great information to move forward, um, Mm. to take back that power and love themselves, which is, of course, what this podcast is all about. Uh, For our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Please hit that subscribe button, rate and review us to keep on coming and hearing some amazing topics with amazing guests. And that is all. Thank you so much, Freya. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.